0: Oh, gosh. I mean, I think most of us who are in the business of storytelling, it's because of the love of hearing them ourselves. I'm a really social person and stories are kind of the way that I connect with the world. And I mean, sort of going deeper of growing up, I grew up with same-sex parents and so we didn't have sort of the same traditions as straight families. Mm-hmm. So we built our own true storytelling I suppose it's both because of the way I've connected with my parents growing up and then just my own fascination with humans and how we operate it means that I was a big consumer of stories, yeah. kind of a less corporate word. And so looking at, at what I might do for a job, that's what I was drawn to. And it's I'm better at it than other things.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know how that feels. for
0: need to do it. <laughs>
1: I particularly love the idea that queer story guests uh, share the story they want to tell but are never yeah. asked to. What, what does this freedom tend to create at these events and on the podcast?
0: Well, it means that I can keep doing the event without the stories getting repetitive. <laughs> I think that often events get themed and so people get pushed into a narrow framework for what story they should tell. But especially with LGBTQI plus people, often the stories that we're asked to tell are the ones kind of set by a mainstream agenda. Who mm. so we're asked talk about coming out or we were asked to talk about when we knew what our gender was or everything's kind of framed as when did you know you were different or when did you tell people you were different. And for some of us, that story is incredibly important. And I often say to storytellers, you can tell your coming out story if you did it when you were like skydiving or something. <laughs> it's just the same as everybody else's. Maybe tell something else. Yeah. And I think it's about going, well, what else makes up who we are? What else makes up queerness other than just otherness? And so it means, yeah, it means a real diversity of stories and it means um, people often feel quite empowered by the experience having performed at it. And I get really unique and bizarre, like little narratives as well that that are these things. You know, people often people have had something really fascinating happen to them, Mm -hmm. but there's not a natural platform to tell that story. And so for this one, I'm like, tell it now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I think you kind of touched on it in these last two questions, but queer stories also channels a history of queer storytelling, something our communities have used to carve our place in the world. Why why do you think sharing stories hold such power for our communities, LGBTQIA plus people?
0: Well, because our stories weren't told, you know, I mean, these were not the stories in the history books. And even when queer people did appear in the history books, you have to go digging because people find ways to kind of erase that part of the history and and so yeah these these stories are not um on the public record in the way that they should be and even today i mean now there's way more representation in media and entertainment way more than we have before um but that's relatively new and often still a quite a narrow view of what a queer experience is and again often set by a straight agenda rather than a queer one, though, of course, that's changing.
1: And this is the third season of the podcast. You've written a book and you've staged myriad live events. But are you still surprised by what you hear? Are you still hearing new
0: stories? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there are as many stories as there are queer people in Australia. Mm-hmm. And each person's got their own. And sometimes we get certain repeat themes. Often people like to talk about their relationship with their parent, sure, with our parent, um, or people will talk about kind of pop culture influences. So there are certain things that come back. Interestingly, at Christos a lot of people don't tell stories about romance or heartbreak. Oh. I think that there's this expectation. Oh, yeah, I've, I've just noticed it. There's an expectation that our sexualities are all about our sexual and romantic relationships. But I get more more stories about friendship and community and family than I do sexual and romantic relationships. So that's interesting. Yeah, um, also quite reassuring. Still, yeah, it's, yeah. I think, I don't know. I don't know why it happens. I think um, people forget how much we romanticize community mm-hmm. and how much community means to us. So that's often what comes through. But even with those sort of repeat themes, I get total surprises and people as well where something on the page seems like an okay story and then when they stand in front of an audience, it becomes incredibly moving or incredibly funny. So I'm surprised by both the live performance and the story itself regularly. Interesting.
1: For those who haven't been along to an event or heard the podcast, do you have, well, maybe not a favourite, but is there a real standout story that sticks in your mind that kind of exemplifies what Queer Stories is all about?
0: Look, I have a long list of favourites <laughs> that I point people towards, which is a bit cheeky. Um, I, I often send people to Nick Hollis's story, mm-hmm. to Emma Valente, Stephen Oliver, Stephen Lindsay Ross, the Buck Saeed, Cadence Bell. There's loads. I think on my website, I've got a couple of blogs of some of my faves Um, as like little listicles. Um, But yeah, lots of them. I I recommend that people kind of dip in and go through and look for faces or names that they might recognize or read the descriptions and see if stories connect to them. Um, There are 24 stories that I commissioned last year during lockdown, Mm -hmm. um, sort of season two that is... Got some particularly incredible writing in it, and the episodes coming out at the moment that were all recorded at the events after lockdown. So as we were opening back up, there's some beautiful work coming up as well. So people should just subscribe to the podcast, yeah. Listen to all of them, and then they'll get one every week. There's exactly. Episodes now, so there's not a lack of options.
1: No. And uh, just going back to what you said there, did you see a big shift in stories when going into lockdown and then coming out again? Because obviously on the East Coast, it's been a lot more um, stressful.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I got way more submissions for the lockdown project from Melbourne than from anywhere. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Unsurprisingly. Um, But even, even stories from elsewhere, I found people were being quite reflective last year, I think. And so some of the writing, especially because it was written specifically for the podcast rather than for a live event, is particularly intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that we're coming out of it, there was a sort of phase where people were wanting to write about last year quite a lot. And now people are going, OK, well, we, we can go back to the kind of style of stories we were telling before. Um, I do really, really want to get across to the West Coast. And I kept trying to line up a Perth event. And then there was a pandemic and <laughs> life keeps happening. Happening, but Perth and Darwin are the cities I am still yet to visit with the live event, and I really want to get across.
1: Yeah, well, that's that was going to be my last question. Can we ever expect to see on the West Coast? Because I promise you, we have some crazy stories to share.
0: Oh, um, yeah, definitely. I was talking to people about doing it last year, mm-hmm. and then with um. And uh, trying to line up a venue and stuff. And then with the pandemic, obviously, all my touring options ended. And the difficulty I have at the moment is, do I take the risk and book a trip myself? And I'm also about to go on maternity leave. So yes. next, year, next year is definitely the time for me to get back out with the live events and to get across to Western Australia.
1: Great. Well, we look forward to seeing you over here and we look forward to hearing more of the podcast. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me.